So here we go, episode seven of The Ox Files. I'm delighted to have an absolute legend, one of the nicest men I've ever met in football, Ryan Clark, with us today. How are you, Ryan? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for the for the plug with the nice, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, another beer you owe me. Um, <laughs> we're going to look back at the 2009 uh, 10 season in the company of Dan Curtis, who put this all together. How are you, Dan? Yeah, really good, thank you, Chris. Uh, welcome, Ryan. Cheers, everyone. How are you doing, Dan? All right? Yeah. Are you drinking this week? This I am drinking this week. I should point out, it's half eight in the morning when we're recording this. So <laughs> um, I don't want people to worry. It's the lighting makes me look this red. I'm not having some sort of uh, episode. And we're delighted to have, as our fourth panellist today, <laughs> the Beard Spectacular is going, going very well, isn't it? It's, got, it's coming along, certainly, yeah. Anyway. Right, so Martin, set the scene for us and then you can you can set Ryan off. It's just to set the scene for this season. The previous season, uh, United finished in seventh place in the conference, just four points off the playoffs, but they had five points deducted for fielding an ineligible player in Eddie Hutchinson. Played in five games, so they deducted us five points, which meant we missed out on the playoffs, obviously. Um, if we hadn't, if we, we'd have finished... Uh, in the final place in the playoffs, and we'd have played um, Cambridge United in the semi-finals. So there you go. Where's the fun in that? We wanted that yeah. every year at it. And then, and then uh, uh, during the close season, uh, we brought in a few kind of players who proved to be quite key the following season. There was Jake Wright, Mark Crichton, some of these I joined later in the season, uh, Chris Argreaves, Jack Midson, and some chapping girl, I can't remember who it was. So uh, Dan, you might as well tell your fantastic I was behind Clarkie when he was about to sign story. Well, I was filming behind the goal of the last day of the previous season uh, with my camera, and I kept thinking, God, he's a great goalkeeper, that guy. Because um, you were quite busy that day, I think, Ryan. We were having lots of shots at you. And uh, I just thought, what a great goalkeeper. And then it seemed to me almost immediately after the game, it was announced that you'd signed for us. Is that right? Am I remembering it right? Yeah, pretty much. I think um, prior to the game on the last day of the season, um, I'd already... Uh, my old goalkeeper coach, actually, who was friends with Chris Wilder at the time, um, had, had mentioned it to me that um, my name had been put forward to him um, on his head, be it, by my old goalkeeper coach. Um, uh, they were in talks at the time for various reasons. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I had an inkling that there may be a chance of something happening in the summer, that summer. Um, and, obviously, we had the game on the last day of the season, which was was like the the Alamo, basically, because we were getting absolutely peppered for the whole game, pretty much. Um, yeah, and fortunately, the game went well, and I think it sort of sealed the deal, really, that I think Chris had heard a few things about me, um, and then not to obviously get the chance to play uh, against one of his teams at the end of the season and do, and do so well um, was, was sort of the, you know, final now in the coffin to get some sorted, which was uh, which I was absolutely delighted about because it was a it was a, a huge club for me compared to um, a, a few of the clubs previously that I was at trying to trying to work my way back into to getting into the football the league and it, it paid off. My memory is right, hopeless on these things. That game was that the one when Oxford fans kept running past you. Didn't one run the length yeah. of the pitch and go over the fence, or is that just my memory? I think if I remember rightly, yeah, I, I had, I think our captain on the day had a corner flag wrapped around his head. I can remember Billy Turley rugby tackling someone at the top end. 
Um, yeah, it was all going off. It was when they scored the first... Uh, it was when the Oxford scored the equaliser. Obviously, they needed to win to have any chance of getting in the playoffs and Stevenage needed to lose or something. Um, and, yeah, it was just pandemonium when the... Um, when the equaliser went in, and then I think almost straight from kickoff, we scored, went up the other end and scored. So it was a surreal game, but it was. I remember the atmosphere on the day, and I was just thinking, well, you know, if I get the chance to play for for this club, it will be something special. And uh, you know, thankfully, thankfully I did, and it and it did turn out to be very special as well. I've asked you this at the time as well, Ryan. We had Elvis already in the building. We had Billy in. Yeah, you did. What was said to you because I remember the preseason before we get onto the season. Yeah, it wasn't guaranteed you were first choice or he was. No, not at all. I mean, for me, I, I just seen it as a chance of coming to a huge club at that level, and in, in all honestly, no, honestly, knowing that Billy was there and he was, you know, a big character at the time. He was a well-respected goalkeeper at that level. Um, I knew I had my work cut out and. Uh, of it, I genuinely thought I was going there to be a number two. Um, but I remember speaking to Chris and he said, listen, if you do well in pre-season, you'll get the nod on the first game of the season. And fair play to Chris, he stuck to his word. I mean, pre-season went really well. I had a bit of luck as well. Billy, I think, was off with a bit of illness, missed a few pre-season games. So I just took it as a chance to, you know, grab it with both hands and, and thankfully, um, pre-season went really well and I got the nod on the first game of the season. And uh, it, from, from then on, it was just every game was like a cup final for me because um, to drop back down to the level that I did from being in the Football League previously and to, to get back to a, being at a club of that magnitude was, um, you know, it, it was huge for me and the hard work had paid off. But then on the flip side, the hard work had only just begun again because it was a a huge season with a lot of pressure on us to, to get promoted. And, you know, I, I felt, felt, felt a lot of that pressure going into every game. And I think it, it helped with my performances. What was Billy like as the number two then? Did, did, did he take it well? He was absolutely brilliant. Um, I, think the, the, I think the first day of the se first game of the season, uh, when the teams were announced on the Friday, uh, Friday um, I think he was obviously disappointed and um, naturally he's going to be disappointed. He's, he's, he was number one there for, for a long, long time, you know, for a while. And, um, you know, he, he probably thought that no matter how pre-season went, he was going to, he was going to get the nod. So it's only natural him for him to be disappointed at the time, but to be honest, he took it really well and he was absolutely fantastic with me for the whole season, not just me, the whole team. And he was, he was, I've said it many a time before, he's, he was a brilliant character to have around day to day. And he was, I know he didn't play a, a huge part in, in the games, but he certainly did off the pitch and being in and around the lads. And he had a massive impact that season as well as, uh, as well as not, not getting the chance to play as much. Danny mentioned the first game. What have you got video-wise for us, Mr Curtis? Um, there is quite a lot of footage from this season. It's not like really extensive footage, but there's most of the key matches. Um, we started off at home to York. Um, Ryan, talk us through what happened that day. Uh, I remember making a save early on, very early on, um, and that sort of steadied my nerves a bit, a little bit, because I, it was it was quite it was a huge game. Um, and then obviously 
season. Yeah, they 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 scored, uh, went one 0 up, and then we got the equaliser, and then obviously the last minute, um, it, it it was just crazy. It was yeah, the last minute. I think it was Kreitz, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah, that they it just set the tone for our season. Really, we 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 didn't give up. We kept going. We we went one nil down, and um, yeah, it was a massive game. And if if we'd have lost the first game at home, um. You know that the pressure would have been well and truly on, but we um, we we kept going till the end. I just remember, you know, jumping and going mad at the end when Kreitz scored, and uh, yeah, he was a massive player for us that season. So it was uh, it was a good start to a hectic campaign with lots of games, and they were coming thick and fast. When you start a season with a win like that, it really was like two goals in the last couple of minutes. Is that does that give you a massive springboard then for the rest of the season? Do you think? I think, well, we know we didn't play on well on the day and we dodged a bit of a bullet, really. Um, so the fact that we didn't play well and still won um, was, was good. But at the same time, we knew that we couldn't, we, we couldn't afford to, especially in the home games, we couldn't afford to, to not play well and, and not get results and rely on, you know, being the big club and not playing well, but still getting results. So... Um, thankfully, it, it, generally it was we were playing well and getting results. But um, yeah, nevertheless, it was a good start against um, obviously the, the boys that we were going to play in the final. So um, mentally, whether that had, any, had anything to do with it in the final, I don't know. But either way, it was it was a good start, and it was nice for me. It was my first competitive game for the club, um, and just to get the win felt you know felt good in in front of. Uh, so many fans as well that, that I'd not been used to for a little while again. We remember Mark Crichton, Mark Crichton's winner then against York in the last minute, last kick of the game pretty much. But which former Oxford player does he now share his two-parlour with? This is a very unfair question since three of us spoke to the other fella yeah. on a podcast two weeks ago and Ryan's never met him. Yeah, it's not just for you guys though, it's for the listening and watching audience worldwide. <laughs> so uh, see how many of them have paid attention to previous podcasts really. Well, I wouldn't think many at all. I'm going to write. Am I going to write that down? Okay. Ryan, would you go to Mark Crichton's for a tattoo? For a tattoo? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm a bit old for tattoos now. I've got a couple, but they're horrendous. So <laughs> if you can laser them off, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what that's what happens when you're a Magaluf drunk as a 17 year old, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> It seemed good at the time. The games really did come thick and fast at the start of the season. I guess the, in the conference, they try and squeeze as many in in, in the warm months as possible. Uh, is this the second game or third game, Martin? We're, we're away at Histon. That's a good question. I can try and find out for you. Well, while Martin's finding that out, I'll explain to people at home. Um, there's two ways of watching this. There's, well, there's not. There's one way of watching it, which is on the YouTube channel, and then there's a podcast. Those on the podcast, we are watching videos as we go through this. We were watching us beat York. Now we're watching us win away at Histon. I have a theory that signing players like Ryan and uh, Jack Midson used to play for Histon. You need players who played at this level and know this league, don't you? And I think travelling to places like Histon in the first two or three years when we dropped into the conference, it was alien to people like Phil Gilchrist and people who played, you know, all their careers up at that level. Clarkie, is that correct? Do you need to know this level? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think um, at the time, um, 
the league was a lot more hustle and bustle, physical. Um, and yeah, I think if you get players that come down from the leagues above, they, they don't expect that. But I think the ones that are in and around this level, they fully know what to expect. And um, obviously the grounds as well. You go, you've really got to go to some, some not well, not being disrespectful, but you've got to go to some horrible grounds on cold Tuesday nights and stuff. And you've got to really be able to have that mentality of rolling your sleeves up and thinking that if you want to get out of this league, that's the the home games was always the home games for us were always going to take care of themselves. We were always, you know, going to fancy ourselves at home against anyone. But it was the it was the going away on a Tuesday nights and on the cold nights and rolling your sleeves up and getting the results at those sort of places. Um, Histon was all right. The sun was out there. I was getting quite a good tan. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, getting the results at those sort of places was was what got you got you out of that league at the time. I'll also say, um, working at the club at the time, this I think it was the second, maybe third time I've been to Histon. They'd beaten us, definitely beaten us at Histon because I was mocked for wearing an Oxford United uh, polo shirt or something because we, we were the scout. All the clubs wanted to beat us, maybe when Luton dropped down the Zen 2, but we were the club that everybody wanted to beat. Yeah, I, 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 well, home and away. I mean, with the backing that we took, I used to love the away games probably a, a, a little bit more than the home games because the home games, there was, there was that added pressure. But with the away games and what, seeing how many fans we had there and outnumbering you know the the away the home fans every week was just was just brilliant um and it was the same week in week out i mean and it continues even now so um but yeah the away games there were some great away days and it used to always be the after after an away win it was it was always a fun bus on the way home wasn't it it was beers on stop in the pub have a couple of beers i don't know if it's like that nowadays but professional that was, right but that was why we did so well. We had a great team spirit. Chris loved the boys to have to have a beer after a win, and um, it, it just built built team spirit for us. And again, that was a massive thing for us that year that they helped us get promoted. What was Chris Wilder like? Obviously, we see him on TV now, and he's you know he comes across as quite a dour Yorkshireman. What's he actually like in real life? Away from the camera. <laughs> oh no pressure, no. No, he's um, he, he's a man's man. Um, listen, any manager is going to, you know, take the highs and have lows, but um, he's a man's man. He's brutally honest. He's, uh, if you're not doing it for him, he's got no harm in getting you out and putting someone else in, which is why I knew I had to be on every game personally, because I knew Billy was still there. Um, but again, yeah, he, he, he would do his research main the, the main thing for us was how much research he did on the on the opposition that we played uh we would always go through their team on a friday strengths weaknesses knew where to exploit them knew where they were where, where they were dangerous so that was all good but uh in, his man management was was also good in terms of which players he needed to give a rocket up the the backside and which players he needed to leave alone which players he needed to put an arm round he always got that right um, and yeah, it, it is the way he wanted us to go about playing our games was always, you know, front foot football, you know, attack. It sort of, if if they score one, we'll score two. If we, you know, and um, 
but yeah, he was brilliant. Team spirit was a massive thing for him. Loved the boys to have a, a good camaraderie between us. Um, and yeah, I can't speak highly enough of him. And that is, uh, it's, it's a no, re, no, dis, uh, no surprise that he's um, gone on, uh, gone on and done so well. And I, I'm sure he'll be at that level for for quite a while after what he's done at Shepherd United. You said he's a bit down. He's not. He's, he's funny as well. He can. He, he has. He does put his arm around you and look after you. And he, he, if you're his friend, you. I'm his friend for life now. I'm. I'm, I'm always going to get on well with Chris. I'm sure. <laughs> we had the reunion last year, didn't we? It was almost exactly a year ago. He's unbelievable. He's naturally a leader of people. Yeah. He can be hard. You know he can be hard. I've had stand-up rows with him, but you know he's got that evil little glint in his eye where he's going to make some joke or do something stupid. He's, yeah. uh, he's, but I, I think he's a really good guy, Chris. He is, he is, and I, I think at the time when, when things weren't going right, obviously the fans were, were there was a couple of seasons down the line where the, if we were going on a bad run. But the one thing with Chris is, if we ever went on a bad run, he knew exactly how to get us out of it. He knew what sort of performance we needed to put in. I always remember a famous quote. One of his quotes was always, "You lose one, you lose two. You never lose three on the trot." And that third game, I, I can't ever remember um, a game where we did lose three on the trot. But um, he, 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 was, he was old school, um, but in, in a modern sort of way. And the players totally bought into to how he wants to do things. And if there was the odd one that didn't, then straight away that they, they, they would be out the door. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was just the way he worked. And uh, it, it proved that it worked. I don't want to bring this down either, but when he did go very strong with the players he had the perfect man there in Mickey because um, when we did the podcast last time I knew Mickey was very ill so I was feeling it a little bit now he's passed on an unbelievably brilliant assistant manager Mickey Lewis because he knew when Chris had gone too far the player needed a lift or he needed he knew when to back up the manager a brilliant brilliant bloke yeah and I think Chris realized that I think Chris realized how good Mickey was for him um, because yeah, if uh, Mickey was almost a bit of a common influence on him, really. And I don't think many people realise how much of an impact, well, they, they do know how much of an impact he had, but in terms of how much of an impact he had on Chris, because Chris could be a bit of a, a firecracker at times, and rightly so. But at the same time, you had Mickey, that was always that, that go-to guy between the manager and the boys. And um, Mickey would always drop things in to let us know what he was expecting and we knew where we stood and you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure chris will will say that mickey was was a huge part in in why he did so well as well move on quick before i cry <laughs> well this isn't going to help then this is one of martin's questions i'm afraid yeah united won at histon that time 4-3 what's oxford's overall record against histon and by the way, going back to the earlier what... point, going back to the early point, that Histon game was the third game of the season. We had an away game at Kettering in between York and Histon. We did. So, Kev Sandwich scored the equaliser. Yeah. yeah. You just Google that, Martin, or does your brain just take like fifteen minutes to click round to the answer? My brain takes a lot longer than that to do anything, mate. Right? Uh, quick, put a video up, quick. Yeah. So um, the game that never was. Um, Oh, where's Beano? No, hang on. What's he going to do now? Uh, that doesn't count. Uh, so for those listening, we are watching the 4-0 win against Chester. 
Brilliant goal there from Matt Green. I've got... Okay, it was written off by VAR. I must admit, I've got real, like, man crush on Matt Green. I just think he was a brilliant, brilliant player. Ryan, tell me how good he was, because I, I just thought he was the best. Yeah, he. I mean, he was... He, he was just so dangerous with his pace. Um, he, his finishing was actually a lot better than people give him credit for. He was a really good finisher. Um, but yeah, he, 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 was, he would put himself about. He would, you know, bash people around. He would get his body in. And once he opened his legs, you, you weren't catching him. You weren't catching him. And he's, um, he was massive for us that season. He was, the, the, everyone was massive for us this season. But, you know, he, he, scored, in the play, he scored in the semi-finals as well, didn't he? But he scored lots of goals that season, yeah, and he was uh, he was good. I was actually I, I was actually given like this was my last chance saloon in this game actually. <laughs> Chris actually um, Chris, Chris actually come up to me after this game and said, right, don't open the door for anyone in terms of don't let Billy in because even though we even though we had a good start, I was I was it was a, I was a little bit not not reaching how I should be playing I was just getting through the games a little bit and I think he's seen that um and he gave me a little bit of a heads up as if to say right you need to start pulling it out of the bag now and I think we played Stevenage after this game and I had a really good game against Stevenage and that's when it started to started to all sort of fall into place for me personally really but um yeah that game that never was the big thing from this game obviously was James Constable's hat trick um how what how lively were those two up together, Matt Green and James Constable? Tell us about their relationship as a duo. Um, they just played totally off the cuff. I think. Um, I think they were both forward thinking. They both had. You, they were never going to score a goal. It was a side foot curled in. It was always going to be get in the box, get it to them. You know they're going to take a touch and smash it basically. Um, but they. They would get into positions. Um, they would get into positions, and it would just be a matter of getting getting the ball to to Bino. But Greeny could create a lot of goals for himself, or create a lot of chances for himself with his pace. But both very powerful, strong, um, and for that level, were were really good goal scorers, and they were massive for us that year. But also even Jack, Jack, lots of lot. Everyone was chipping in with goals that year. So, um, but yeah, once you you knew. We knew we had those boys up front. We were always going to score goals. And um, Matt Green and James Constable played together at Sirencester as kids, so they knew each other's game. They played since they were about 14, 15 together. Um, I'm going to tell a story that people won't know. When James first came, Jamie Guy was the big goal-scoring hero in pre-season and whatever, and James was playing second fiddle. And he went through a little while at the start of his first season where he wasn't scoring goals. And it was Kelvin Thomas, the chairman at the time, who took Chris Wilder to one side and said, you've got to leave him on. You keep subbing him after 70 minutes. He's tired out the defenders. You watch how many goals he scores late on. If Martin ever did some research and went back through him instead of just growing his beard, his <laughs> early goals for us are all late in the game. And it was Colvin's suggestion, keep him on. Don't sub him off to put somebody on. Yeah. He goals. And that's, that's what turned it around for him. He scored goals late in games. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. He's, he was all right. He scored a few goals for us, didn't he? <laughs> just a few. Oh god, there's another question. What's that? Well, quite straightforward, really. What was the significance to the history of Oxford United Football Club with the Chester result being expunged? 
Do you, do you mean apart from the one that we've just said four times? Uh, yeah, apart from that one, obviously. Oh. Honestly, I think University Challenge is on over in the other room. I might go and watch that. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving right. on. Yeah, so Ryan mentioned Stevenage. People, people on the podcast are now watching us um, win two one against Stevenage. They were the rivals, weren't they, Stevenage? They were the, every season you get them. The season before, I think it had been Dagenham or somewhere on the line it was Dagenham. Stevenage definitely the rivals, weren't they, Ryan? They were, and probably, I mean, it was always going to be sort of the likes of us, Luton. York. I never really had Stevenage down as no. sort of being up there challenging as much, but they certainly were. And yeah, they they were another physical team. I just look back at how physical the teams were at the time in, in this league. And Stevenage were were definitely one of the stronger teams. And um, so th this was a massive result for us because um, obviously we'd had a good start, but now we were coming up against a very physical team that we're going to be that we we knew we're going to be up there so it was a big result for us and they sort of took advantage of our little blip that we had and um yeah they they they, they pipped us to it didn't they first goal there was that Adam Murray scoring that first goal yeah it was must scored the first goal yeah he's doing all right advancing he's doing okay that boy flying he was a crazy kid. <laughs> great kid you don't tell the stories i can't tell the stories you don't drop Adam in it he's got <laughs> There we could the entire hour with talks. Hey, about. there was lot. There was lots of crazy kids in that team. Yes. <laughs> so give us one story that you can tell us. Go on. Cool. Oh no. <laughs> um, well, once I can, I think it was after we got promoted. Once, one after we got promoted, um, we came back from a night out we went back a few of the boys used to stay in a house in Kidlington I'd I'd come back I think I was the last one one well one of the first one back thinking I was the first one back and I'm walking through the garden and I can hear these two voices talking in the garden I'm thinking where are these voices coming from and this is like three four o'clock in the morning and I'm stood in the middle of the garden thinking what's going anyway I look up and you've got Alfie Potter and Sam Deering sat in a tree that is about 40 foot in the air right at the top having a beer and having a full-on conversation and I'm just what am I seeing <laughs> so that was that was the kind of thing that we were dealing with so four o'clock in the morning sat in a tree having a drink so that, that sort of thing so yeah Adam Murray the uh Eastbourne game the season before been really windy and when he walked onto the pitch he said I'm gonna score from a corner here Chris I said no you're not and he took the first one, the wind took a push over the bar, and the second one he put in the top corner. He was unbelievable as a footballer. But he, yeah, tech, oh, technique, he's, he's one of the best players I've played with. I know um, he's had one of those careers, and he, he was... But, yeah, I think Chris always said to him that he was going to pull him in and out of the team if and when he, you know, sort of for the right games, and get, there's going to be games that um, he may not be needed. And Muzz took that really well, but he... He, I, I was gutted for him that he missed the final because he was injured, wasn't he? he was. um, yeah, I, I was gutted for him that he missed the final, but you know, he, he was he was a great uh, a, a great lad, and he he was a massive massive part for us that season as well. Yeah. Should we move on? The big one. So, 
Chris and Martin, tell us what happened in the build-up to this, because we, we'd signed a player, hadn't we? I can tell you a brilliant story about that, but let Martin go first. Well, the, the sensible bit of the background um, is that, yeah, the 12th Man Fund paid, uh, uh, I think it was £5,000 for us to sign Jamie Cook. Um, from Was he at Crawley at that time? I can't remember, but yeah. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, so he, and it was this game was his debut. So yeah, it was. Uh, Can I chip in a story that again people won't know unless I've said it on a podcast before? We've been pestered by the uh, the chairman or a scout down at Pool Town saying we've got a striker, you can have him, but a lot of football league clubs are looking at him. And they said, how much do you want? No, they said we quite like him. They said five thousand pounds. Said, no, we're going to get Jamie Cook back from Crawley, Charlie Austin. Wow. <laughs> Wow. That's a true story. It was Mickey Lewis who said, no, no, we're going with Jamie Cook. So, um, <laughs> Well, the good news is Jamie Cook got a couple of goals, at least. <laughs> Much better golfer. I'll do Cookie down, because Cookie's great. Cookie's one of the good guys. He has so much ability, that boy, but... Yeah. <laughs> We scored just after this, didn't we? Straight yeah. after. We did, 30 yeah. seconds it took from that save to the goal. Yeah, okay. Matt Green. This was some goal from Jamie Cook. Mars better than Charlie Austin. I don't know what happened to that. I don't know. Ryan, what was the atmosphere like in the, in the changing room after this game then? Well, I was just about to say, I think because of how... how brilliant the atmosphere was in the game it was it was like a derby game really it was the, the it was the two big boys of the league going at it wasn't it um and uh <clears throat> i think if i think if you finished above luton in the league you you'd know you would be promoted that was you know it was a it was a massive game for us and um i think we won it quite comfortably in the end it was but i just remember the atmosphere um but one thing was we never got too carried away really chris would always you know, that was one thing that he did do. We never got too carried away. We'd enjoy the moment, obviously. We'd have a beer after the game, on the, especially on the away games. But come back in on Monday and it's back to business. That was it until until we'd, uh, you know, we'd, we'd got to where we need to be. But so, yeah, that, that was a massive game for us. And I just remember the atmosphere being brilliant. I think it was all, I think it was kicking off in the crowd a bit. The Luton fans are trying to get over to the Oxford fans. So, yeah, it was my first, first taste of... Um, sort of that sort of atmosphere at the Kazam and uh it was um yeah brilliant result we try and fill Ryan we try and fill the podcast with other bits of video that people might not have seen this is from YouTube this is a Luton fan filmed this and it's called something like from glory to despair in 30 seconds yeah uh, you can see the reaction of the Luton fans as Constable's penalty is saved yeah and literally like 10-15 seconds later the ball's in the back of the net again so Yeah, it was a great goal. I remember we just, yeah, Greeny charging down the wing, wasn't it? It was a great finish. Um, there we go. And my, daughter's, my, daughter's dating Luton, my daughter's dating a Luton fan. Can you send me that clip down afterwards? <laughs> of course I can. Yeah, all there for you. Go on then, Martin. Here's your questions. Yeah. Uh, how many times did Matt Green roll after being fouled by Kevin Nichols? Uh, I mean, is it the nearest 10? 
Oh, God. I'm going eight. I reckon six. Well, I reckon it was in the 20s, but, you know. <laughs> there's, there's, that's, not, that's not a sort of proper, the serious question is this one. So how, how was this game used in an attempt to help England's bid for the 2018 World Cup finals? What? Where yeah. are you getting these questions from, Martin? Uh, you know, know? What happens when I've got uh, nothing else to do in lockdown? <laughs> Who's going to know this? Well, I do. Well, I, I do. know you do. <laughs> you do it only connects on the telly next time. I might go and watch that now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't also worry, Clarky. There's no prize involved. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm on zero. <laughs> I've got a terrible confession. I went to very few games around this time because my daughter was just about to be born. So I didn't go to many games. So someone tell me what happened here at Crawley. Talk us through it. Did we go one nil down in Crawley? Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were one nil down at half time. Yeah. Which meant that, meant that uh, Stevenage were top of the league because they were winning. And the like, full time, we'd beaten Crawley and Stevenage had lost. So we maintained our lead at the top. Yeah, that was chappy, wasn't it? And yeah. Uh, Bino scored it a couple of minutes to go, I think. That's it. That's right. But you also got your memory from Clark. Have you been reading up on this? I remember every single thing from this season. <laughs> How can you forget it? <laughs> there you go. You missed a penalty as well, did Bino? Um, he missed yeah. quite a few penalties this season, actually. I think. Yeah. Missed a penalty and then scored literally like seconds later again. Um, I don't think we have many. I don't think we have many against that season. Penalties. I don't, <laughs> I don't. That went in. No, yeah. of course not. No. <laughs> Why was that? Did the goalkeeper save them? I don't know. Jack Stevens took over that man. I wasn't very good in goal. I was all right. Penalties though. <laughs> <laughs> so we're flying. I, I, what I can't find is any league tables from around this time, but uh, we were flying. We were doing really, really well. Um, I guess there's a few other teams kind of emerging from the packs. Well, Steve Nidge found a bit of form around this time, but we were, I was pretty convinced we were going straight up, no bother. Um, it was around this time, Ryan, that yeah. I, I'm allowed to say this, the other two probably aren't as official employees of the club. I think Chris Wilder started tinkering with the squad around now. Like he started bringing in players like, I'm going to say Franny Green on the most mm -hmm. Did that disrupt the squad a bit at all? Do you think? I can't. I I can't remember at the time. I think. I think as players, we just seen it as we're making the squad stronger, he's, or he's making the squad stronger to really go for it. Um, but I think for whatever reason, yeah, well, I think we lost to Tamworth, Hayes and Yedin, twice. Um, we had some really funny results. Um, but I think. Ooh. Oh well, oh, yeah. That was my, I think that, yeah, that was, oh God, I don't remember that one. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't remember that one. Billy, Billy, your time has come. <laughs> oh yeah, that, I remember that now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we were dominating games, but we weren't taking our chances like normal. And I think other teams were getting the odd chance or we were just having our little blip and it was costing us. So Stevenage took advantage of it, didn't they? But no, I don't no, no one's seen. I think I don't really think the team was tinkered too much. I think we always had that same foundation. Um, but he did bring one or two in. I think that was more just to that was more of a positive for us, just to to know that with the team, you know, the squad's getting stronger to to really go for it. 
So we, we lost at home to Tamworth. Um, jumping on a little bit in the season, um, big match, the big return match at Luton. Um, absolute hammer blow, as I recall. Yeah. yeah, they scored two in the last few minutes, didn't they? We went, I think Greeny scored for us to go one up. Yeah. How many rewrites did you have to do for your match report on this one, Chris? This is an absolute nightmare. I remember this right in the last minute. Yeah. And then we went went straight in from a corner. We've won the game. Then, oh, we're drawing the game. And then look at this. Yeah, I should have done better with that one, to be fair. Not a bad end to do it in front of them lot, is it? Yeah, that that was that was uh, a sick mirror because you know we'd have, I think even it one nil up we'd have took a point. Yeah. But to to go on and lose it um, was absolutely gut gut wrenching. I think that was the first time that the pressure was starting to to kick in a little bit in terms of right, are we gonna are we gonna be top of the pile at the end of the season or are we just gonna be have to go through the playoffs? So. Um, because after such a good start, we were our mentality was we want we need to win the league, we want to win the league. But then every team has a bit of a wobble, don't they? And uh, that yeah, it sort of affected us a little bit. And we had our little wobble, and Stevenage sort of took advantage of it, didn't they? Yeah, I think we were looking over our shoulder at Luton coming up, and everyone took yeah. off Stevenage, you know, finishing the strongest. Yeah, I have to say, I have to say that was pro- that I still to this day. That was probably the most hostile atmosphere I played in, Luke. Yeah. For some reason, I, obviously it's a big game, but the that was that was hostile down that end. That was, yeah, not wasn't a nice place to go and play. Not at all. That was still to this day. That's even worse than Swindon away. That was that was hostile. To be fair, we had their crowd where we wanted them. They were right on Luton's back. Yeah. And as soon as that first goal goes in. It was almost inevitable the second was coming, I think. But they had turned on their team. Certainly through that season, they expected to just walk away with it like we did maybe the first season in the conference. They expected they were going to storm away with it. So, Was there, was there any sense of panic in, in the changing room at all? You know, how was Chris Wilder at this stage? Um, yeah, I think uh, it wasn't a calm place. I think it was... We, we can't let this chance pass us by. I, I think if you're in a, the league above League Two, the expectations aren't as high. Um, but after such a good start as well, um, it was a little bit, we needed a bit of a rocket on the backside, really. Um, I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but I do remember there was a bit of a feeling where we were, we were, down, we were down in the dumps for a couple of weeks until until we got a few results again, but mm. that's only natural. And um, yeah, it was, thankfully it was, it wasn't to matter. I mean, when we, when we made the playoffs, it was, I think if we knew we could dodge Luton in the playoff final, we, we, we'd fancy ourselves because, because of the magnitude of that, their club, the same as ours. So um, the fact that we dodged them, in the final was mentally a bit of a boost for us, I think. I also think you had some real character. I mean, you're obviously a, a good talker. Jake's a brilliant captain. Adam Murray was the captain. Danny Bullman is a natural leader. The Kreitz is a natural leader. 
there were some yeah. strong characters to talk you through the tough times, Jake especially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because to be fair to Chris, he was obviously he was on us a little bit. He was having a nip in, rightly so. But like you said, we did. We had such a team full of sort of you would call it men footballers nowadays. Um, if it was a bunch of players that um, you know hadn't had the experience that we had, it would have been quite easy to, I think, go into a bit of a go into a bit of a hole. But we certainly had a lot of experience and characters that, no matter how sort of tough the manager was being on us. Um, and rightly so, because of the pressure at the time, we um, we sort of all stuck together in the right way, and um, yeah, and, and we got ourselves back on another run again. Um, but yeah, we had so many characters, and again, that was that was one of the main reasons we uh, we did so well and, and why we went up. It was a couple of points, but I hate to bring up games like this, but. Um... Oh, this was horrible. This was horrible. This I was week. at this one, yeah. I think this is, is this the day, Martin, that maybe Stevenage went top? I think Greeny oh. got sent off, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Might have been done. Couldn't answer that for sure. But just nod, say, just nod and say that I'm right. Can't do that. Greeny got sent off, and then Chris went and sat on the bus with him because he got sent off as well. Yeah, that's right. So that's a, a yeah, depressing that a... film. A depressing <laughs> film to show. Martin, here's one of your depressing questions. Yeah, you know, I lost this game 2 1, away at Hazen Yedding. But what was the score in the reverse fixture, the home game against Hazen Yedding? I think Bash scored. He did. Scored a header, didn't he? I don't know if it was one or two, though. Uh, I might edit this bit out. <laughs> it's a great um, header. <laughs> we uh, we do start to find a bit of form towards the end of the season, um, and for me, this is like the returning of the, the solid team, the solid uh, the solid Oxford United. We had the front three, Midson Green and Bino back in. Um, the defence started looking really settled again. We're winning. I remember Chris Wilder being really really pleased on the radio after this game. So is this is a... yeah, yeah. We did. We picked up right just at the right time, really, going into the playoffs. Um, is that Deering? Yeah, Sam. Yeah. God, he was so. I mean, Sam was only sort of seventeen, eighteen then, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were we were getting results against some of the so-called big teams pretty pretty easily i think if i remember rightly going into the going into the playoffs so yeah we did find our find our mojo again can you describe the difference between the dressing room when things are getting a bit sticky and the dressing room when things are, are, are good i think for us um i don't think we, we we panicked too much we we were just on a bit of a bad run and I think that shows because we uh, we come out of it and went on another good run. Um, all a bit vague, really, at the moment. But I, training wasn't a nice place to, to be when you're losing. But thankfully for us, it um, it wasn't the case often. Um, but we had that added pressure. It was every week we needed to win. We we couldn't afford to 
have little runs of losing two or three games here. Um, it just, it, especially with only one team being able to to go up out of the league, and then obviously the playoffs is a bit of a lottery. So, I think I think it's a bit cruel, really, that over a forty, even even and even to today, I think it's a bit cruel that only one team goes up over a 42-44 game season. I think it should be like League Two, where two or three go up. So, um, so it's a brutal league in the fact that only one goes up and you can't really afford to make any mistakes. So and it just goes to show even one dodgy run that we went on cost us our automatic place. Do you think it helped in the way that Stevenage by this point was so far ahead, we knew that we were going to be in the playoffs? Do you think that was a help at all? I think, what would they have been ahead at this point? How many points? Tenish points, I would say. Was probably. it? Yeah. Yeah, so that, there you go. I think so. I think it was a matter of, I think we wanted to finish as high as we could in the playoffs. Um, it was almost, it was almost, I suppose, not a relief that they we knew that they were getting promoted, but we could almost prepare for the playoffs mentally. Um, and I think he did that by resting a few players, actually, um, just before he, the playoffs. He told me which, that, that he knew his team, he knew we were in the playoffs and he knew his team for that. Yeah, make sure they weren't injured. He had told me that. Some yeah, I think we went to Eastbourne and he changed five or six. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Christ killed me in this game. I was about to set the record for the most clean sheets, I think, and he gave away a penalty. <laughs> I'd have played Reese Day ahead of him every week. Reese. Yeah, I'd have played him ahead of Crichton. Much better. <laughs> in this game every game I'd <laughs> so that was the end of the season um, and that's how the, the, the table finished so we were yeah. 13 points off no. um, because we lost that last game Luton snuck into second place which meant that we played Rushton and I must admit I wasn't disappointed by that no I think um, yeah I think yeah I think we were if we, we that's how we would have took it um i think if you if you dodge if you because of the because of the stature of the clubs um i think the, the all we wanted to do was just dodge dodge loot and it all costs really um and once we'd done the job on rushton and we knew that york had, had beat loot and i think it it gave us a little bit of a a lift mentally as well, knowing that it was York that we were playing instead of Luton. So Shall we voted Rushton. And uh, anybody who was foolish enough to watch one of these before knows I had a bit of a history with Rushton's press officer, where we'd come to blows, basically, at a previous game. And then I can still see this game. Do you want... Can I tell a story about this? Go so uh, my son was meant to go on a school trip to watch Blood Brothers on this evening. So I wrote to Willie Russell, the writer of Blood Brothers, and explained the situation. And he wrote a letter back saying football's more important and sent us two tickets to see Blood Brothers the week after. So he didn't have to go on the school trip. So Willie <laughs> Russell helped us go to this game. Wow, fair play. <laughs> He's right, though. Yeah, but... this should never have been a goal, should it? No. He's <laughs> looking right at it as well. Yeah, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a sick. No, that he shanked down the top corner as well. Is that Lee Tomlin. 
Uh, no, he he played in the. Uh, oh, I don't know if it was actually. I, I remember he played in the. He played in the away leg. Mm. I think he did that because I think he felt chappy in that. So yeah, I'm not that I'm bitter. Eleven years on, not that I remember that foul. I did. The, the atmosphere at that game was amazing, and it was it was one of the hottest nights as well. Yeah. I, I remember it being, it was absolutely boiling and it was so humid for some reason. And I, I just remember it being so hot and the atmosphere, I mean, the atmosphere walking out to the, seeing the Oxford fans on, on the right as you walked out, that was just, that, with all the flags in that, that was, um, that was just like hairs on the, hairs on your back, of, on your back stuff. That was brilliant. Brilliant. As indeed was this day. And then there's that. That was some well. So for those listening, this is the uh, second leg uh, at the Sam Stadium. A really comfortable, joyous 2-0 win. Go on, Ryan, t take up the story. You must have great memories of this day. Yeah, I think... Um, was it 0-0 at half-time? Yeah, it was. It was, wasn't it? And did the away goals count? No, I don't think so. I think it was just... Uh... Yeah, no, it just, um, I think once we knew, if we could get to, it's the same as a lot of games, really. If we could get to half-time at nil-nil, going towards our fans down, down, that way, down that end, in the Oxford Mail stand, I think we, we just knew teams would, men mentally, that teams just sit back because the, the, the fans would just suck goals in. And I think that's, that was a pure example on that day. Um, and we, I think we, we won it comfortably in the end. They took the boys took the goals really well, and I yeah, amazing occasion. Um, you enjoy the celebrations after, but then you think, oh shit, I got we got <laughs> we got to go to Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> so we we got we still got a huge game to win. So we were what I think Luton played York on the Sunday. That's right. So it was a tense sort of Sunday because you, we, now that we were through, we were sort of hoping that York could do a job and they did for us. So, yeah, that was the game when the Luton fans were pelting the York players at the back of the stand with stones and bricks and things. Yeah, they had to run, run to the back of the stand, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't take defeat very well, did they? No, no, I told you it was hostile there. That could have been me. Um... <laughs> I can't remember how big a gap there was. I, in my memory, it was quite quick between the semi-final and the final. Or is that just me? I remember it being months. It just felt like forever <laughs> and ever and ever. So the yeah. day was on Monday the 3rd, and the final was on uh, Sunday the 16th. So it was actually third, almost two weeks between them. Yeah, that's right. We played them on a bank holiday, I think. That's right, yeah. yeah. With the cup final, I'm sure, on the Saturday. Yeah. Of course, we're playing in that one. I think for so many fans, we'd obviously had the promotion in 96 would be the previous promotion before this. And for so many fans who put up with so much misery for so long, going to Wembley, knowing we weren't playing Luton, it was just such, such an exciting time. I remember going onto the pitch at the end here and finding my wife saying, we're going to Wembley, we're going to Wembley. She was like, you yeah, know, whatever. But um, 
uh, yeah, I just remember being so, so excited. I, I knew at this point we were going to win. I, I just knew we were going to win at Wembley. I had total and utter belief, mainly thanks to our goalkeeper. I had total, total belief in us. Did your belief change on the 45th minute? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> Mine would have. <laughs> okay, here's a question for you. How many appearances did one Ryan Clark make during a 2009-10 season? Again, somebody's got an advantage here over the other people in the quiz. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to have such a good memory, was I? <laughs> I can't remember how many cup games then, Chris. Who did we lose to? Who did we lose to in the FA Cup that year then? Ooh. There's a question for you. It is, I'll find out for you. The quiz. You come over. on every week, Boris, you're off. We beat Yeovil, didn't we? We lost we away at Barrow in the FA Cup. We lost. Did we? Barrow. Yeah. In a replay. In a replay. Oh, oh yeah, we were tuning up. We were tuning up at home to Barrow, weren't we? That was a long way to go. I remember that. That was a long oh, draw. We won it up. It's a long yeah. way to Barrow. In fairness, it's a long way to Barrow. If there's, if there are any under 13s doing this quiz, watching this, um, if you get them all right, you win a free place with Ryan Class goalkeeping courses. Right. Oh, good. He's gone. I've got a free place <laughs> in his You went with a free place on one of Ryan's goalkeeping courses. Uh, go on, I'll give you a quick chance to plug it, Ryan. When are they? Who can join? Yeah. Them? Thanks for doing my flyer, Chris. As you know, sure, I'm not sure. yeah, I'm not getting paid <laughs> for that either, am I? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not technically gifted when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Chris. But no, by all means, if, if a young one person wins it, they can come and have an hour with me, no problem. But um, yeah, so as of the 29th. Um, it's something I started last year. I'm doing a bit of work for the Oxford Elite Academy as well, coaching their goalkeepers. Um, I've also started up my own one-to-one -one just for in the Oxford area. So um, I'll always remember as a kid, you know, goalkeeper coaching, going to goalkeeper coaching and um, how fun it was and to have someone do it who's who you can relate to or... You, who's played for a team that you support. I used to absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, if any of the kids out there want to, or adults, if the adults want to come and have a laugh, lose a bit of weight. Um, yeah, I'm starting up, I've, I'm starting up on the 29th, so... Um, I, should, um, I should maybe have timed that better. We should have maybe not plugged the courses before you chuck one in at Wembley on the video. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah maybe done that. Oh, watch out. Uh, subsidiary question. Which two other players made the same number of appearances? Oh. oh, I would go. Hold on, save it for the end, Ryan. Save it for the end. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. You can, you can shout out when we do the answers. You can have a little shout out. I reckon. And we will see. <sighs> the big day. Love this. We've heard the story about the, the coach crashing. Give us one other story about the build up to this day. Give us a story we've never heard before. Oh gosh! I've um, from mine while Ryan's thinking. York didn't go in advance. We went on advance, and we went round it on the Friday and stuff, and uh, had a look around. York didn't. They only travelled down on the day, and uh, I think that's a big mistake at this level. I think people, if you're going to yeah. play at Wembley, go and have a look round it. Uh, I think. Yeah, I've got another yeah. story as well because uh, my son was mascot for this game. And so I uh, was privileged to be in the, in the changing rooms, obviously not the same changing room as the players, but in that area. And when the teams come out, um, they're lined up together, York on the right, Ox on the left, or the other way around, Ox on the right, York on the left. And Billy Turley was giving Chris Carruthers just absolute pelters as they were waiting to come out on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. 
and like Chris Crow was just in his shell, like no one's business. He was just like cowering, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's probably the one thing that not many people know. I think CC did a did an article, didn't he, just leading up to the game in the papers, and I think Chris put it on the wall in the, our changing rooms at the changing ground, and um, I think Bully Billy took it. In, into his own hands in the tunnel <laughs> and um, obviously you've got Martin Foyle at the front of his team about to walk out you've got the gaffer at the front of our team and all you hear is Billy chirping up what are you on about CC what have you been chirping up about and all this and getting into CC and all, their manager and all their players just looked round and thought who is this crazy lunatic what is going on here so but it's interesting because we have Chris regarding this game. Chris, Chris was brilliant. He took us, obviously, he took us to Wembley to get used to the surroundings, uh, which which was really good because it's a it's a lot more daunting than people think when you go out onto the pitch. It's 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 a lot more bigger than you think. And he also got in um, Dave Bassett on the night before the game at the hotel, and um, he said that listen. Obviously, he'd been to Wembley a few times and he sat us down and he said, look, tomorrow is not about what you've done through the whole season. It's not about how you play. He said, it is purely about getting a result. No, it doesn't matter how you get it. He said, you can win this game in the tunnel. You know, you can get into them in the tunnel. You need to use every tiny bit of an advantage to your benefit, which we did. And um, I think that sort of sank in with us, having him there knowing that, you know, he was emphasising that this is an opportunity, you're about to get promoted, make sure you do not, whatever you do, do not do not miss this opportunity. Um, I, I tried to make the boys miss it for a split second, <laughs> but, uh, but um, yeah, so it paid off. And little things like that that Chris did, getting Harry in, uh, Dave, um, and taking us to the, to the stadium were all little things that I think helped us on the day. Do you watch the action? You don't realise how good these goals are, actually. This one's unbelievable. Unbelievable, yeah. My man, Matt Green. People yeah. only uh, listening, not watching, Matt Green just smashed around the top corner on the turn. The whole day is a blur. Great technique on that half wall, isn't it? Press it down, wax it. Yeah, it was a great finish, that. It was a bad day for the goalkeepers, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll defend you a bit. It was wet, wasn't it? People forget. It rained. It was slippery. down. Absolutely. I've got, the most, I've got the most pathetic excuse that any goalkeeper would... What, it was wet? <laughs> <laughs> It's a genuine excuse, but people will think whatever. There's a gentleman <laughs> on the bench over here, Mr. Hodgkinson, who's not going to allow you to say that on that day. I'm telling you that. <laughs> so go on, Ryan. What was the excuse? Go on. Right. So up until up until I think three games before the final, um, I lost my glove sponsor. I was with Nike, <laughs> and um, no, I. I or no, I was meant to get some gloves from Nike, but they didn't come. And so I was struggling for gloves. And I had a couple of pairs sent to me and I pulled them out the 
the packet and we played two or three games before the, the final and it was bone dry so any glove there you go so any glove that you wear in the bone dry is actually not too bad but I pulled these gloves out I went out at Wembley and no word of a lie it was the biggest raindrops I've ever seen and it was absolutely hammering it down of course you've got brand new balls and even in the warm-up my head was all over the place because there's these balls with a plastic coating on them and these gloves they are just absolutely terrible I just I just the ball was just it was just going everywhere so that was my excuse it was wet and the gloves were crap <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you meant to do then punch it clear or head it no I should have just caught it but yeah, I was but that actually logical. yeah I, I just literally just took my eye off the ball I just thought I in that instance as a goalkeeper I thought I was going to take a hit and I I for some I, I think I had it in my head that as soon as I catch it Greeny was out wide for me to throw it in but why I was thinking that with only a minute to go anyway I don't know so yeah I don't think it mattered in the end did it it made for an exciting second half, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It won a few I'm sure it won a few people a few quid on both teams to score. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like in the second half then? Obviously you're thinking, you know, I've let York back into it. And York had a lot of pressure yeah. in that second half. Talk us through what you're feeling. Um I actually I, I went into the I went in at half time and um it was like, right, you, I, I looked in the mirror and I thought, right, you can sink or you can swim now. You're still in the lead. Um, I just thought you can either let it affect you or you can be the person that helps us win this game. And fortunately, I went the other way. I mean, York had some um, glorious chances in the second half that they should have scored. Scored, shouldn't they? Rankin and Brody both should have yeah. scored. Yeah. But I, I made a couple of saves and I also come and took a few crosses as well. So... It was, it was, yeah, it was a sort of sink or swim moment. It was, but it wasn't exactly a time to, to sink, was it? Because there's so much riding on it. And um, I, I, I only just wish that Alfie would have scored a little bit earlier so I could try and relax and enjoy the occasion. But for 95 minutes, I, I wasn't able to enjoy it at all. It was, uh, it was daunting. It was pressure. It was, uh, God everything even you know the the, the size of the stadium um I, I generally didn't think it would hit me that much but it did just all of it um but fortunately my game came through and uh had, had a good second half because it was it was crazy conditions for a goalkeeper ingy and goal at the other end he made a few rash decisions as well and the weather played a bit of a part and it was just one of those games where the pitch wasn't great. It was pouring down and just mistakes were going to be made. But um, fortunately, it, it, uh, we, we got that third goal and we could start to party. Well, we I've heard it described as the single most important game in the club's history. Yeah, I think that's right. Before we move on from that picture, trivial lovers, did Jeff Hurst, Sir Jeff Hurst, give us the trophy? I think he must have. That's him top right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jeff Hurst gave us the trophy. And then where you paused that a minute ago, there's Beano, Adam and Chris Hargreaves handing the trophy over to Adam Chapman, who's the man of the match. And I'm not going to go into the emotions of that, but that is some performance by Chappie with all the circumstances. Yeah. He'll happily say that was the greatest moment of his life. And uh, 
Yeah. He was brilliant on that day. Yeah, and the boys knew it for him as well. And he he was he was awesome. And he, again, he was a, he was another great lad. So much ability, and he he was amazing for us on that day. And um, bearing in mind what what was going on, and uh, yeah, just he was a credit. And just uh, I think the emotions got the better of him in in the end. But it was just a mo- an emotional roller coaster for him, and it's only natural. But you know what. What a uh, what a way for him to you know to, to finish the season as well. Yeah, he loved Adam Murray. Adam Murray was a brilliant mentor. He was like the yeah. Yoda to Adam Chapman's uh, Luke. He was brilliant for him. I wouldn't want Adam Murray to mentor me at anything in life. But, <laughs> um, but he did look after him. He really, really helped Chapman all the way through that season. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he he was. Uh, it was just, again. It was just a team of absolute characters, and Muzz, Muzz. I, I think Muzz will be the one of the first to say that as a pro, he went through a few things, and yeah. he he was there on Chappie's side to make sure that that he didn't do the same sort of thing. Because I think one thing that Muzz did see above him above anything else is the amount of ability that Chappie had, and uh, he didn't want him to waste it. It was a quite a good night after this as well, wasn't it? As I remember. I can't remember. No. <laughs> All I know is that I didn't get let in a club because I was too drunk <laughs> in the middle of London. So I was wandering around London all on my own. The boys were all in having a party and uh, I was just outside. I had to get a taxi oh. home, couldn't get in. <laughs> I walked into work at the Kazam Stadium about nine o'clock the next morning and there were three of them asleep in the doorway. I had to step over three of the players. <laughs> we hadn't been home and only knew how to get to Oxford to go to the stadium. It, it I know. Was quite brilliant. And then we had the um, the bus Bucks. parade on the Monday, didn't we? So <laughs> yeah. I, think there were, I think there was a few of us. I know I was one of them, but I went on a bit of a four-day bender, I think. <laughs> There's a man, uh, I think the manager may have had a drink or two um, to celebrate. Mickey definitely did. Um, yeah. If you're going to have a drinking competition, don't have it with Andy Melville, Mickey Lewis and Chris Wilder, because I know the four-day session for them is just, you know, holiday. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, again, that's, that's why within moderation, that's, they, they wanted us to, to enjoy the wins as well. So they knew it was massive, the team spirit. And Chris has always been big on team spirit, even when I went to Northampton with the preseason trips. And uh, it was good. You could, you could, you know, you could sit down. I remember having a couple, many, I remember uh, we went on tour to Scotland and... Yeah. Where there was a curfew at eleven o'clock. Brilliant story, this brilliant story. <laughs> there was there was a curfew. We had to be in at eleven o'clock. Of course, me, I I came in uh, about I think twelve o'clock it was, and I walked through reception, and uh, Mickey Lou is sat there with Mel, and. Uh, I thought, oh my God, I am in so much trouble here. Oh, there was a curfew at 11. It's gone 12 o'clock. I'm, oh, I'm only just coming in. Mickey Lou's called me over. He's gone, Clarkie, come here. I was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's going to get back to the gaffer. The gaffer is going to be fuming. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm sorry, Mick. He said, he said, no. He said, you better get to that bar now. And you better sit down with us and get around in. I thought <laughs> <laughs> so. I ended up staying up with Mickey until 
until about two in the morning having a beer and never never got back to Chris. No. Brilliant. <laughs> so Mickey was fine. He just wanted me to get him a beer. We sat there for a couple of hours and had a beer. Brilliant. I hate to ruin all those brilliant stories with one of Martin's bloody questions. Go on, Martin. And how many other games that season did Matt Green, James Constable, Nalfi Potter all score? Oh, off. oh, I'm here. I'm just checking the <laughs> So, yeah, let's really. Greeny, Beano and Alfie. How many other games apart from the Wembley final did they all score? You've not been getting out much in lockdown, have you, Martin? It's been a bit slow. Won't kid you. What happens oh, yeah, when you're in charge of the flow of oh, this yeah. I just feel I've been talking too much this one. Um, right, goal of the season. Ryan, you are the judge of the goal of the season competition. Three goals to choose from A, B or C. Is this Clisty? This is Clisty at Histon. He caught that well, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Good player, Simon Clis, good player. Goal B, Jamie Cook against Luton. Good strike, really good strike to be fair. And the turn as well. Goal C, Matt Green at Wembley. Ryan, you be the judge. Oh, wow. Um, I think it's, it's probably got to be, I think Greeny, just purely because of the the euphoria that it calls for a split second, I think. Um, but yeah, to, it's just technically as well. Cook, cookies, they're, they're all good goals. Um, but I think because of the, the occasion, probably Greeny, I think. So and it's gone right in the top corner. It always looks better like that. Cool. Well, how do you reflect on that season then? Um, cool. Just, well, it's, it's the best season I'll ever have. Um, uh, I don't think it will be topped. Um, if you were, if you wanted to get promoted, going through Wembley is the best way to do it. If 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 you ask anyone how they would want to get promoted, knowing they were going to win, it would be through Wembley. Um, just the fans. I, I was I was shocked at the at the fans in terms of how awesome they were. Um, you've only got to look at the, the turnouts away from home as well as the home games and at Wembley. Um, but just a season of, yeah, it's, just, it's hard to put a finger on it really, but just the ultimate season really, getting to Wembley and getting promoted and it's just something that no one can ever take away for, from you. Um, and in terms of the mag, I think I know Oxford have been to Wembley a few times since, but I think in terms of magnitude of how much was riding on the game and after the history, I think that was probably the the biggest the biggest win that they've had at Wembley. Absolutely agree with my friend over there. That is that is I think the biggest game in our history. Um, yeah, the next three times at Wembley have been very disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was it was just nice. It, it's it's very, I'm just I'm just proud to have been part of it. You know, 
um, it's, it's something that will stay with me for, for, you know, for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm always proud of it. I, I still, you know, get the butterflies if people mention it in that season and the fact that I was playing and stuff. So, and it's something that I always talk to my children about and they always ask questions. So, you know, even for that in itself is, um, is, is something that, you know, makes it my best, one of the best days in my life, apart from probably my my children being born. Well, and us playing shuffleboard in Boston, that was a good one. Oh yeah, you can't beat that. Yeah, that's before. better than, yeah, that's not that, Yeah, that was, a, that was a great stag to do that. That was brilliant. It was a pre-season tour, not a stag. We're going back, aren't we? It was a, it was a reunion, we're going back. That pre-season tour was a great stag do. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. We could do an entire podcast just based on this. But we got to do the answers to Martin's... hard, really, haven't we? Yeah. Go on, Go on man. Okay, so the first question was the Mark Crichton one score in the last minute winner against York. But with which former Oxford player does Crichton share his tattoo parlour? I'll tell you what, Ryan Clark's got... He's a genius if he knows the answer to this. Do you know, okay. do you know the answer, Ryan? <laughs> uh, is it Summer Evans? <laughs> oh, that's not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. <laughs> Yeah, Jordan Evans, brilliant, Ryan. Jordan I Evans. can't believe it. There <laughs> you go. You knew that. It's part of a shop. It's part of Christ's tattoo parlour. So. Brilliant. If you want, yeah, tats while you get your hair cut, or vice versa. That's the way to go. Second question: United won at Hisson on that occasion, two one. Uh, sorry, like four three. What was Oxford's overall record like against Hisson? Wins, draws, losses. I reckon that's the only one we beat them in. I'm saying two, two, and two. And I know is they were horrible to play against. Yeah, in fact, it's not bad. We've beaten them four times, not drawn with them. And they've beaten us twice. So there you go. Better than people thought. An optimistic little question there for you. I think they've gone bust, haven't they? Or... Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they kept getting relegated, didn't they? Went down and down the, the pyramid. I don't know where they are now. Uh, the Chester game. What was the significance to the history of the Chester result being expunged? No idea. James Constable lost the all-time goal-scoring record because of That's it. Right, if these three goals would have counted, he'd be the Oxford United all-time goal-scorer now, leading goal-scorer. We, we said that four times when you asked the question. You said apart... No, you didn't. Yeah, you said it was something else. That. You said it was something else. Rewind, Dan. They never mentioned that. Anyway. Uh, so the, the serious question for the Luton game was... How was this game used in an attempt to help England's bid for the 2018 World Cup finals? So I, they used... Go on, Chris, go on. No, go on. Do you, well, do you know the answer? I do, yeah. So they, the, the FA used it as an example of how popular football is in the UK because we had such a big crowd for a fifth division match. Is that kind of right? I think it was. That's exactly right. It wasn't the FA, it was this... CEO of the World Cup bid in his keynote speech to the leaders of football conference. Uh, the crowd was over 10,000 in the fifth tier, whereas in a lot of European countries, that, you know, that would be a first division crowd. Yeah. Uh, okay, the Hazen Yedding question. United lost 2 1 away at Hazen Yedding, but what was the score in the reverse fixture? 2 1. They lost 2 1. 2 1. Yeah. Basham got two, didn't they? Okay. He did. Never but we got one. Uh, and how many other games 
this season? Did Bino, Alfie, and Matt Green all score? Zero. Charles was one. They all scored no. when we beat Gray's Athletic 4 0 away. Ah, I won that disqualified. I didn't see it. I had a dodgy kebab before I went in the ground and I spent the entire game in the toilet. I never saw a minute of that game. The report was a travesty because I hadn't seen any of the game. That's genuine. I was in the loo at Gray's all the way through that. Does it? <laughs> it's expunged. Carl, remember their ground. Is that the ground where they have the, the, the like flat? flat right so inside the pit. Yeah. And their, their pre match playlist consisted entirely of Queen songs, which was a bit depressing. Uh, <laughs> final question How many appearances did Ryan Clark make in the 2009 10 season? And a subsidiary question is in which two other players made the same number of appearances? Did you play oh. every game, Ryan? No, Billy played one in the against Wrexham in the. What cup was it? FA Trophy? Trophy, maybe? It might have been the, yeah, the FA Trophy, so... What about the Satanta Shield? Satanta, yeah, I can't... I'm, it must have been about... Including the playoff games and the final. 40, yeah. 40... Hold on, how many teams are in the league? <laughs> so 44 games in the league. 44, 47, I'd go 51, 52... Anyone else? 50. I've gone 55, I guess. Well, Clark, he got it. It's 52. 52. There you go. Yeah. And which other two players made the same number of appearances? I'm going to go Damien back. And? I thought Damien got sent off in one of those clips that we were watching, so I disqualified him because he would have been suspended. He did. He got sent off at Hazen Yedding, didn't he? Yeah. No, that was Greeny that got that sent off. Green, got oh, yes, sorry, that was Greeny, yeah. I thought he got sent off. Uh, in the home game. I, I think Skip maybe. played them all. I think Jake played all of them. No, Jake came late. Jake okay. came after the season started, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. I'm going to go Clisty. Danny Bullman and Simon Clist. Ah, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't Damien Bat then? No. Nah, so, you want to know how many games he played? I'll tell you if you want. Is this coming from your memory? We've got to wait and fill in for 10 minutes. No, no. But he played right, a total of 45 games. Okay, okay. Oh, who won the quiz, Quizmaster? Um, one of you guys, maybe. It's probably someone else, actually, someone watching on the podcast or listening on the podcast. <laughs> As a Quizmaster, you've surely got to keep the scores and present some sort of trophy. Ryan's just won a place on his own soccer course. Yes. Well done, Ryan. Think yeah. you can learn something. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Um, <laughs> To draw this nonsense to an end, then, uh, I want to thank Dan for putting that together. Uh, I want to thank Martin for being the, <laughs> the, the bearer of all the jokes throughout the last uh, hour and a half, mainly at his expense. Sorry, Martin. Well, I'm going to go and shave now. Uh, but most of all, uh, I want to thank Ryan Clark because you are the toppest of top men. Thank you. For yeah, indeed. Time. See you back here in 10 years and we'll do the, uh, the anniversary of that again. Uh, we'll be back with another sure. podcast. As we always say, if there are people out there who've got video clips, VHS, you're converting anything. Let us know. We'll put it all into this sort of format. We'll find a guest and we'll see you soon. Brilliant. Ryan, thank you so, so much. Yeah, um, I don't thank you for today. I want to thank you for like being part of that team that saved our club because like if you guys hadn't got promoted that day, yeah, God knows what would have happened, right? God only knows. 
Uh, so honestly, just thanks from all the fans. And uh, no worries, Francis. No, I, there was a lot more riding on it than I think we realised. I think. <laughs> yeah.